presented by the Common Sense Institute. Welcome to Common Sense Digest, the podcast that seeks to inject a little common sense into Colorado's policy discussion. Here's your host, Earl Wright. Welcome to the Common Sense Digest podcast. My name is Earl Wright, and I am chairman of the board of Common Sense Institute, formerly the Common Sense Policy Roundtable. Thank you for joining us today. As the Common Sense Institute turns 10, we mark its 10-year anniversary with a brand refresh and a name change. As one of the founders of CSI, I thought it poignant to take this moment to reflect on where CSI came from, the impact CSI has had on policy discussions, and where CSI is headed. I invite you to join us as we celebrate our 10-year anniversary and discuss CSI's past, present, future. Our guests today include co-founder and vice chairman of the board, Buzz Cobalt and board member Heidi Ganahl. Well, let's get started. Buzz, let's start with you. Why was Common Sense Institute formed? It was formed because there was a group of our founders that were very concerned business and community leaders that paid a lot of attention to politics. And I think we observed that divisive partisanship was overwhelming good policymaking. And we also believe that sound economic analysis could help Coloradans and elected officials be more informed and thereby make fact-based and common sense decisions. Economies are dynamic, and we knew that voters and policymakers needed a fuller picture when assessing all of these various policies. Well, Heidi, Buzz has talked about the economies are dynamic and policymakers and a better picture. What are some of the big issues CSI has researched over the years? Well, hi, Earl. Great to be here. Congratulations on 10 years. Uh, it's quite an accomplishment. CSI has done some amazing work over the recent years, especially around Proposition 112, the oil and gas setbacks. CSI has also tackled Amendment 66 and Amendment 73, the progressive tax increases, paid family leave, and Initiative 300 around Denver homelessness. Uh, when you when you talk about these, Heidi, I want to come back to you for a second. Were these uh, from a political perspective, like rep- Republican or Democrat, or how were they uh, how were they approached? Well, one of the things I love about CSI is we try and take the politics out of the conversation and rely on data and information, you know, real data that tells the story rather than putting a political spin on it. And I think that's an important narrative that's been left out of our conversation around legislation and policy in the many years before CSI was here. And I think that's one of the great contributions CSI provides. So there wasn't a political agenda with regards to the analysis that was done here. But Buzz, you know, speaking of analysis that, uh, and hard analysis that Heidi brought up, what is the Remy model that we all hear so much about and we see in the press when we see CSI in the press, they mention the Remy model. You know, what did CSI try to do to, to, to house it at the state capitol? I think that's kind of an interesting story. Well, at one point in time, we thought it'd be good as it relates to fiscal notes on policies to let, uh, to have it at the state capitol where they could use this unique and dynamic modeling to assist their decision-making. We went to Governor Hickenlooper and talked with him, but for a variety of reasons that didn't work out. They turned us down. So we housed it for a while at the University of Colorado CU Leeds School of Business. And then 
over time, it turned out that we felt best if we were on our own. And so for the last three years, we have grown and now have a full-time economist and a team of researchers that run the model on various issues. How do you make the decisions as to uh, which public policy issues to look at? Is that something that uh, we look to the various advocates or do we look at a, the board? How do we get our priorities on what we are following in, in the public policy arena? Well, we're not an advocacy organization, but what we do is we are very focused in on what's important for uh, the state, both for jobs and the economy. That's where the state revenues come from. So we keep a close eye on both policy activities uh, down at the state capitol as well as ballot issues. And those that we think will have a negative adverse effect on jobs and the economy are the ones that we focus our efforts on. That includes a variety of things from education and budgeting and taxes and regulatory policies and land use. The list goes on and on and on. It, it really bridges the entire spectrum but we do it focused on jobs and econ. How is CSI set up in its advocacy role? Yes, Earl. Uh, the Common Sense Institute is a nonpartisan, nonprofit, 501c3 charitable organization. And all contributions are tax deductible for income, gift, and estate taxes. And CSI does not receive government grants or funding. And we focus on providing a public good rather than a profit. The research conducted is ultimately decided by CSI's board of directors and staff and when using the REMI model. Research is produced by the CSI staff and fellows and overseen by the CSI director of policy and research. Our staff is constantly ensuring the research produced is aligned with CSI's five guiding principles, which are free enterprise, economic vitality, individual opportunity, dynamic research, and nonpartisanship. You can see how CSI maintains the integrity and accountability for our work by looking at how we were organized and the work that we do and our ability to stay out of the political fray and focus on the important information that guides us. Let's, let's kind of go back to this for a second as the far the information. Heidi, um, you know, information is great, but if somehow you don't get it out into the public, uh, we can't really have much of an impact. So how do we try to get this information amongst the people that we think will have an impact with regards to the public policies that we're trying to inform folks on? Well, the beauty of how CSI is set up is that it's incredibly important information that all parties involved typically want access to, and they want to be able to make good decisions. And CSI is not for or against any policy or issue or campaign, whether it's during legislative session or elections or not. Um, but what we do do to get the word out is our staff and fellows will regularly attend or speak and testify during the legislative session or at public stakeholder meetings. And we typically, uh, I mean, you have your amazing podcast, Earl. We have social media that we get the word out on, which is growing tremendously. Our eggs in the economy breakfast. We have some incredible avenues to communicate with people and we try and meet them where they are, whether it's on the radio on TV, on a podcast, on social media, or in, you know, one-to-one -one meetings with the legislature. Well, Buzz, she mentioned about having an impact on all the various ways in which we go about trying to have it through the various media that's out there. Hey, give us a couple of examples, if you can, where we've, where we think, anyway, that we've had uh, an impact on policy discussions in Colorado. Uh, Heidi mentioned a couple of them. The oil and gas setback issue was huge, and I think our information was threshold 
in changing the dialogue, what that was about. And we ended up being victorious at the, at the ballot with that. We got very involved in the Paid Family Leave Act, which is still ongoing. But again, our information was compelling enough that it changed the direction and helped some of the thought process. We did get involved and continue to stay involved in issues related to PARA and the Tabor Amendment. So a variety of key issues. Uh, we, be, we believe that we have continued to have a very strong impact on the ultimate result uh, of those issues. Buzz, I'm going to push back on you a little bit about PARA here because it's just not a little bit of impact. I think that you not only took the study that we did, which had to do with, a, what is it, a $30 billion deficit we have at PARA, and we did the analysis, but sometimes analysis you know, isn't very good unless somehow you can explain to people Explain your involvement down at the state house and trying to help people understand what was going on. Well, we took our dynamic modeling data, and PARA is large and very complicated, and there were multiple variables as to how they could try and solve and minimize the deficit on PARA. So it was our information that had the dialogue and debate heightened, so there was meaningful information about how various variables could affect the outcome. I'll be honest with you, we didn't get quite the result we wanted, but we certainly improved where it could have ended up. And our information still is on the table for future actions and activities related to PARA because it is one of those enormous runaway trains on the track that we need to halt to improve the fiscal nature of our state. Well, Heidi, I can't help but ask you the question with regards to education because you're a region for us and incredibly busy with everything you're doing, but you're having a significant impact as a region. But it seems to me that we as a state have been putting education as a huge priority, but sometimes we keep saying that things need to be done and some and information would suggest that maybe some of the things that are being suggested may not be quite correct. I know you had a discussion with Casey Becker at Eggs in the Economy. Can you kind of share uh, some of uh, your that conversation as well as the information that we've shared with folks on what's really going on with education in Colorado? Yes, thanks, Earl. I, I had a chance to debate uh, Casey Becker on Proposition CC and whether that was a good idea for the state of Colorado. And and my key issue was around education. And if we were spending the right or spending the dollars on the right things to make the right impact. And as a regent, it's something I continually talk about is let's look at where we're investing our resources, what the return on investment is. Are we doing the right things with the, the small amount of resources that we have to move the needle, whether it's tuition or um, a fourth grade reading level for K through 12. And I think we've got to be very intentional about where we spend our money and how we spend our money to get the results that we want. And we have to define success. And that's what I love about CSI is we are very focused on what does success look like? We ask that question. And then we look at the way that um, we're proposing to invest, whether it's legislation or um, you know budget decisions, and what the actual impact will be, and will we be able to be successful and get the results that we want to. And around education, it's um, incredibly important because we have you know, such a small amount of precious resources to invest in our students. We've got to make the right decisions with those dollars. With your experience as a regent and your own personal interest, 
you know, we, we not only have got the research that we've been able to share, but we have some expertise on our board. And speaking about expertise on our board, Buzz, uh, I would uh, guess that most everybody knows of your expertise in, in real estate. But one of the areas that we've had a real challenge here in Colorado was what they call limits to growth. And uh, we did some research on that. Do you want to share a little bit of the insights and then how we tried to inform people about uh, the likelihood of putting limits on growth in Lakewood and also the, the issue with regards to the front range? Yeah, you know, it's the, the moratorium issues and limits on growth becomes a very easy discussion when we've had some pretty good successes of growth in the state. And it just sounds pretty simple to say, well, let's just limit growth to a 1% figure of the past or whatever. But the average citizen and even the politician don't understand what the enormous consequences could be. So again, we use our dynamic model. We came up with figures and numbers to really illustrate that what may have sounded like a small differential or a small reduction in growth and put moratoriums, as it extrapolates over time, it can be enormously detrimental to the overall fiscal nature and soundness of the state by generating revenues. But it was our figures and numbers that allowed people and caused people to maybe look at a different view of what something that sounded easy and simple actually could have been from a consequential standpoint in the state. I would think that probably having a clarity of understanding with regards to the educational issues and then the limits to growth as, you know, I would hope people are better equipped to make a good decision on both of those issues. But Heidi, how about other policy discussions in Colorado that maybe we'd be good to have us be a little bit more aware of that we got engaged in? Well, we were certainly impactful on the healthcare discussion around the policy issues that came up this session. And I think we had a big impact on whether that moved forward or not and what was right the right thing to do for healthcare patients and the healthcare industry and the healthcare providers. So I would say healthcare, transportation has been another one that we've been very influential on. You know, overall, just the general sense of the budget and how we should um, approach the deficits that we're facing now and how can we be smarter and more effective with the dollars that we have without continuing to ask for more tax dollars, you know, putting it on the back of business owners and the people of Colorado. You know, one of the, you've talked about uh, being, uh, I guess, frugal would be the word that I'm using, or let's get a dollar out of a quarter. Uh, how do we do that? Uh, it seems to me that uh, maybe other research firms are out there that could do research. How do we match up with uh, other resources uh, of providing research? Well, I think the magic comes in the REMI uh, model that we use, the dynamic modeling view that we have into how to spend our dollars. And we have an incredible economist, a great team, the experts on the board and the staff. It's really just an organization that is a well-oiled machine and perfectly aligned and in tune with what's happening in Colorado. And we can understand better than other organizations. If you pull this lever, what happens over here? If you pull a different lever, how does it affect the budget, the people of Colorado's individual budgets, you know, the school system, the healthcare system, and how it all integrates together. So I think the magic is in the people involved, the dynamic modeling we use, and, you know, just the internal knowledge of the state of Colorado and the budget and how things work here. It helps a lot. I know that we've done some studies internally that show that it would cost about $1,000 per hour. We've been told that by outside research groups. 
to do the, the think type of analysis and research we do. Buzz, I know you're heavily engaged up at the uh, University of Colorado, as you are, Heidi, and $844 per hour at the University of Colorado to do this similar research and $697 per hour uh, for public agency like Colorado Department of Economic Development. And I think it goes back to what you're saying, Heidi, with the uh, streamlined approach of staff and the REMI model we have, uh, I dare say we're a bargain when it comes <laughs> down to research dollars that we spend. Uh, Buzz, give us a little history here about how Common Sense Institute has evolved over the past 10 years. Well, um, we've made some terrific progress uh, from what I originally said by very concerned business and civic leaders wanting to maintain good policy in the state. But we were pretty deliberate in what we did starting 10 years ago. We took those concerns, but we said, you know, kind of like anything in life, uh, you got to crawl before you walk. And we wanted to have some proven successes in reality to show what we could legitimately do. And shall I say, put a few success hides on the wall. And we did that and we grew fairly slowly and deliberately. But now we've grown to a team of 10 economists and researchers, including a great team of fellows and one that's highly recognized in the state, Henry Sobinet. So we went from this small organization. We're now at the center of all policy debates in the state, have an annual operating budget in seven figures. But we did that in a very judicious growth manner. And I'll add one of the key elements to REMI, because REMI stands for Regional Economic Modeling, Inc. And the beauty of this is this is local, and, and I think one of the key points that needs to be made is all too often government proceeds on a one-size-fits-all, and REMI is not only uh, a model that appreciates and understands numerically what a dynamic economy is about, but we can only be provide the best information because it's local, and so our listeners need to understand that we use local information and sometimes in the state we can dissect it between urban and rural because they're also two different communities. So I think with that, we have evolved over time to show that we can provide the kind of information and data that informs the public and the policymakers. So you're saying that the Remy model is based on unique, unique data and information that's Colorado. It's not some region. It's really Colorado and and it's us. It's not some aggregate model of the United States that we try to apply to Colorado. Exactly. Good. Heidi, you're kind of giving a lot of help to various people and now to women's organizations. And and you started a company. You branded that company. So everybody was able to really associate with the company you started uh, your career with. Now, common sense uh Roundtable is now the Common Sense Institute. Why the name change and brand refresh? And why in the world as a board member did you allow it? <laughs> well, I, I believe it's a celebration of our growth and the impact on the policy discussions in Colorado over the past 10 years. It's a new name, a new look, the same great mission. We continue to examine the fiscal impacts of policies, initiatives, and proposed laws so that Coloradoans are educated and informed on issues impacting their lives. And if you're just learning about us or want to learn more about what we stand for, we invite you to learn more on our website at commonsenseinstituteco.org. Well, I'm going to push back on you, Heidi. Change your policy roundtable to institute. 
What in the world are we trying to convey to people by saying institute? Well, I think that um, Common Sense Institute embodies, you know, we're more than just a round table. We actually, like I talked about earlier, have an amazing group of people. We have reached into all kinds of networks and organizations that are helping us do our job. And we're really becoming, you know, a stable in the policy conversations of Colorado. And so I believe Common Sense Institute is more reflective of the profound impact we're having on the state and in these policy discussions. And I'm very proud of the new name. And I think that uh, it's well-deserved. Are you trying to tell me that we're trying to be the come-to organization when you're talking about research and uh, analytics and an objective assessment of what's going on in our state? Absolutely, Earl. Spot on. Okay. (laughs) Well, Buzz, uh, you've got a very open-ended question I'm going to throw at you here, my friend. You have been so active in this community for so long and so instrumental, as has Heidi. I couldn't have two better people as far as the state of Colorado is concerned talking about this. And Heidi, I'm going to ask you the same question if you could add, add on to it in a second. But What excites you, Buzz, about the future for Common Sense Institute? Well, I'll start with what I said in the beginning. I think there's a little too much divisive partisanship. And what we want to do through our information and data is blur those lines and uh, allow more people to come together. And, And that all starts with informing not just the politicians, but the public that can help the dialogue. So as we continue to expand, we increase our research on upcoming fiscal policies and initiatives that continue to be thrown at us. And so, you know, we're really focused on upholding those foundational principles and values of our great country, that American dream. So in the end, Coloradans can prosper, grow, continue to make Colorado home. And as I would say, having been born and raised here, keep it the place that we love so much to live. To do that takes a lot of involvement and information and informed electorate that help the policymakers make their decisions. Well, if you're going to help the policymakers make their right decision, Heidi, how do you see us being, I'm going to make it even a little bit tougher question for you, more effective and build on what we've done the last 10 years? What do you see as our challenges going forward? I think the challenge, the main challenge is there's so many issues to work on right now. I mean, you look at healthcare, transportation, education, para, the list is endless. And in order to continue to do the great work that we're doing, we need resources to do that. We need donors, we need experts involved, we need volunteers, we need organizations to partner with us to get the work done. And I think we can absolutely scale this, but we've got to have everybody as excited about solving these issues as we are. And ultimately, I think the success that we've had will just, you know, rocket us into the future to really be the leader on the policy front in Colorado and making some of the toughest decisions that we face in a positive, effective manner that honors free enterprise and the American dream that I've been so blessed to live. And that's why I get excited every time I come to a meeting or an event or stay involved with CSI. It's really the heart of what we're doing is protecting the American dream for generations ahead. Well, I hear both of you saying that for us to be effective, we're not an island unto ourselves, but our research is there as a foundation to hopefully coordinate uh, public policy decisions that can result in the best economic outcome for the state 
And Buzz, you said it so nicely, and that's preserving the state we all love so dearly. Many of us have built our businesses here like all three of us have. Thank you so much. This has uh, been a very, uh, I think, fruitful and, and to some extent enlightening as to what we're all about at the Common Sense Institute. Thank you. Thanks, Earl. Delighted to be here. Ditto, Earl. Thank you for all you do for Colorado and for launching this incredible organization. And congratulations on 10 years to both of you for founding this. Thanks, Heidi. Thanks, everybody. Thank you for listening to the Common Sense Digest. For more on today's topic, as well as our research on the most pressing public policy issues facing Colorado, please visit commonsenseinstituteco.org. The preceding episode, along with all others, is available on podcatchers everywhere or on our website under the podcast tab. Our technical producer is John Ekstrom and Deft Communications. This has been a production of the Common Sense Institute.